RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Here we go with another November installment of the only digital radio show that is exclusively devoted to underdogs in college football and the NFL. Proud to be back on Three Dog Thursday and proud to have Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com, back with me. Good to have you, Senor. How you feeling now that we've gotten one Saturday of November in the books? I feel good, and I think the lesson I learned last week is to stay away from any team that plays in Florida. Yeah, you went like all Florida trifecta, and as it turns out, uh, what only the the Dolphins, I think, ended up with the push for you, my Buccaneers. I'm on the Buccaneers radio broadcast. What was that? Uh, Sunday in the Superdome, and now Jameis Winston shut down for a couple of weeks with the injured shoulder. Florida Gators, what a mess. Uh, yeah, rough, rough there. Now, I did have two college underdogs with Oklahoma and SMU. How about the, the Sooners 62-52 to in the Bedlam game with Oklahoma State, Kevin? What, what is up with holy lack of defense, Batman, in the Big 12? Yeah, that second quarter, would you have 49 points, I think, something like that in the uh, second quarter of that game. It's just, it's, it's, it's fun to watch, but also it's ridiculous, and, and it kills the credibility of the Big 12 when they've been very competitive this year, taking away Kansas and Baylor, that everyone else, they've been very competitive games. And, you know, Oklahoma, that was a really nice win for them. Now they've won, you know, at Oklahoma State, they've won at Ohio State. You know, they have this, I don't want to call, I can't call it a bad loss to Iowa State, because Iowa State's obviously better than we thought they were. But they're right in the mix now, and it seems like, you know, they are on that, that road to get to the Big 12 championship and try to get into that final four you know we'll see how it all turns out but yeah i mean it's a lot of points they put up and it it feels like you know they're all stretched out these numbers and these teams don't play any defense and it's kind of ridiculous i know that our our guest coming up in the middle segment will be joined by tim brando of fox sports love tummy timmy b i've I've been around timmy b for going on 20 years in broadcasting espn cbs his own radio show now does the games for fox uh, in college football and I will say that he is trying his best. He's making the argument that uh, it is not horrible, awful defense all the time, that it is, it's a new age of offense, and we just need to understand it. I, I won't ruin it anymore. Just listen for Tim Brando to try to make the case. I'm not saying that I agree, but that's a little bit later on uh, here in the program. Uh, the, the fascinating thing, though, Kevin, is for f- football fans that are longtime football fans, you remember this, but the youngsters, the millennials, if you will, the, the sub-30-year-olds, as I like to say, they can't fathom that college football in the 70s used to have 10 to 9 games or 9 to 6 games. I mean, they can't, I, I, it, it, you know, it, it just uh, is beyond their capacity to understand that a team could play 60 minutes and not score a touchdown in a game. It's almost unheard of now in, in modern-day college football when you watch that Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game. Man, it stood out. I also had SMU in the game with Central Florida. Fascinating. Uh, let's talk college football rankings here for just a second from the college football playoff. Uh, I know UCF remains undefeated, but they didn't move up at all even after that win over SMU. They stay at number 18. 
Miami does move up to number seven. Wisconsin, though, at nine and zero, is number eight. We we could potentially have a couple of unbeaten teams, could we not? UCF and maybe even Wisconsin that still get left out of this thing. I know there's a lot of football to play, but we could have a couple of unbeatens that get left out of this playoff scenario, Kevin, from the way it's looking. Yeah, and you know something? It, it's unfortunate for a couple of reasons. You know, I, I think I'm going to quote him. I, I think he said it, so I don't want to misquote him, but Kirk Herbstreit on the uh, on the college football playoff broadcast and ESPN was talking about it, saying, you know, Wisconsin, an undefeated Wisconsin team shouldn't be in the college football playoff. And I understand that Wisconsin has missed on Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan State on their schedule this year, and they'll draw one of them in the Big Ten title game, so at least they'll play them. The only one they get is Michigan, and I feel like they keep getting you know Illinois and Purdue and Indiana and Maryland. Like Those are the teams they keep drawing. But, you know, I always thought it was like when you go back to like Boise State years ago and those other teams, do your job, win your games. And it's like you win all of your games, and then what? You have nothing to show for it because – this team, you know, we know how good Clemson is, but they've lost. We know how good, well, Ohio State's got run by Iowa, but right. you know, some of these other teams, Oklahoma lost to Iowa State. Yes, we know how good they are, but how are we determining this if you have an undefeated team in a major conference, not the Mountain West or, sorry, the American or someone like that? Like, what if you had a major team in the ACC or the Big Ten go undefeated? How do you leave them out? I don't know how you do that. i got to believe that Miami is in the Final Four. They went out. They have to be in the Final Four. If they end up beating Notre Dame and Clemson right. in the ACC right. championship, they I agree. have to be in. But I guess the point is, how do you leave a team out that's undefeated? I, I just don't get it. Right. You're asking them well, to win every game. The they win only, every game, they're still out. The counter to that would be they knew on this schedule, on the rotation of the Big Ten, as you laid out, there was no Ohio State, there was no Penn State, there was no Michigan State in the regular season. Wisconsin knew that. They they in, the, Instead of trying to beef up the out-of-conference this year, they elected to play Utah State at home, Florida Atlantic at home, and at BYU, non-Power 5 teams. So you're almost asking for the committee to have a reason to exclude you when you do that. If you could point to, hey, we played Georgia Tech on a neutral field and we beat them, or hey, we, we played pick one, we played... TCU and beat them on a neutral field, or or we we went on the road and played. I I, I don't know. Pick one, uh, South Carolina, and beat them at South Carolina. If you could point to that, Wisconsin, you'd have a stronger argument because part of what the selection committee is going to say is your Big Ten schedule wasn't nearly good enough to overcome that. And this this, by the way, may very well affect the Washington Huskies. And I'm going to talk about them in a little bit where we've been over their schedule as well in September. They may run the table, they may win the Pac-12 title game, end up 12-1, and but the committee is pointing to their September schedule and saying, you didn't test yourself. More thoughts from you. Well, Go ahead. Yeah. Here's, a, here's a couple things on it. Number one with Wisconsin. I'm not trying to defend them at all, but just to put it out there. You look at FAU, that's actually not a bad victory now. FAU is I agree. Well. It's they looking better. It. It's looking better. I that's agree. That's not a bad win. You know what? It's not their fault that BYU is terrible. BYU is normally good at football, and they have a down year. Just to throw it back to Alabama for a second, Alabama is getting penalized because Florida State's having a bad year. You know? Right. And what are you supposed to do about that when their quarterback gets hurt in that late, you know, Francois gets hurt in the fourth quarter of that game. He's done for the season. FSU season is finished, and they can't win any of these games. 
that what do you do about that when you put these schedules out so far in advance? That's the problem, I think, is that, you know, if Wisconsin is playing Florida A&M and they're playing these ridiculous teams that they just show up for, fine. Yes, they're playing lower-tier teams, but what about last year when they played LSU? You know, it just didn't work out because the right. years didn't align. So that's kind of where it's hard because you can get a team like an FAU. You don't expect to be decent. We're not, they're not a national championship team, but they're a decent team. And then a BYU, who is a team that obviously underachieved this year. I mean, when you look at even Miami with what they had, yeah, their non-conference isn't very strong. I get that. But I don't know how you do it. And also one other point, too, is last year, you look at Michigan State, two years ago they were in the Final Four, and last year they were terrible. What do you do if you had them on your schedule? Like you could say, well, this team was in the Final Four, and now they're terrible. Or like a Notre Dame who struggled last year. Yep. What do you do about that? Yep. Well, and uh, I think that it still has to play out. I agree with you that if we are four weekends from now – talking about a Big Ten undefeated champion Wisconsin team that at that point would be 13-0, and would have beaten Michigan and would have beaten somebody worthy on the other side, whether that's uh, Ohio State, Penn State, whoever it is that ends up being on the other side uh, in the championship game, it is going to be very tough to say they're not one of the four best at 13-0 and unless you had other undefeated teams to say their 13-0 and is better than Wisconsin's 13-0. and So let's see if it gets to that point. And oh, the screaming and debate if it does get to that point. We're just having fun with the argument. And, the debate. and look, you know this. We've been over this for three years on Three Dog Thursday. You know what the College Football Playoff Selection Committee loves and the powers that be, the conference commissioners, the presidents, the bowl game or Organizers, you know what they love? They love what we're doing right now, which is arguing, debating, uh, calling attention to it, publicizing it. They love that part of the regular season where everybody fights in different regions of the country about who's got the best team, the best conference, and why somebody should or shouldn't be in. So we're subscribing to that. All right, so we're both off the soapbox. Let's get to underdogs in college football while we have the opportunity. I will let you begin with a college football underdog for this week, Kevin Rogers. All right, well, since we're talking about the Big Ten, seamless transition, uh, we will look at the Purdue Boilermakers, who are at Northwestern to take on a very hot Wildcat team that's won four straight. They've won all these overtime games. They keep finding ways to win. Uh, I feel like Northwestern is always on that track every year to the Outback Bowl. It's always there as a bowl. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. They'll probably do a little bit better this year. But uh, this, this kind of stuck out to me a little bit, that – Purdue has lost the last three years to Northwestern, and obviously Purdue has been bad, and they've improved this year. Now, last year when Purdue faced Northwestern at home, Purdue was getting 14, and they got blown out. Now they're getting four at Northwestern. Is Purdue just that much better if they're a 14-point underdog at home one year, and the next year they're getting four on the road? Like That really sticks out to me in this one, and Purdue also – Three and one against the number this year as a dog. So I think that this Purdue team is a little better, obviously, we think. And not to say it would take away from Northwestern, but you have all these games you're winning in dramatic fashion. I kind of feel like you're going to get tripped up soon. And the number kind of sticks out to me a little bit. Should be higher. I'm going to take the points with Purdue. All right, Purdue Boilermakers for you to start things off in the Big Ten. I referenced Washington. And the Huskies are on the road at Stanford on Friday night. I saw this Washington team in person back in October at Arizona State and what 
by everybody's admission, uh, was a poor performance, probably an aberration for their offense with Jake Browning, uh, Miles Gaskin at running back, Pettis. They're explosive, and they had a bad night. And Arizona State's defense is not a great defense, yet they stymied them, they shut them down frustrated them. Uh, Washington had a big play, Kevin, early on in the second half of that game where they ran a double reverse. They handed the reverse one way. They took the reverse back the other way with a receiver. He took off on about a 50-yard touchdown run. They called it back because of a holding penalty, and it just summed up the night. Washington never recovered and scored only seven points on the evening. So, yeah, that probably was an aberration for them. Again, they have the one loss. They've scored well, but they're going against a Stanford team. Friday night game, standalone game, and I've got a couple of numbers to actually back this up. Stanford lost last week to Washington State, and they've had a couple of other losses this year. So I've done the math and done the totals. Do you know David Shaw's record the last five seasons coming off of a loss as they are this week? I, I will give you the hint. It's 14 games. So in the previous 14 games, what do you think David Shaw's record is coming off of a loss, a straight-up loss? I'm guessing I'll say 12-2. and 12-2 is a good guess. He's 11-3. and three. And one of the three losses was earlier this year when they lost to USC in Game 2. They lost to San Diego State in Game 3. So that was the third loss. The next week they played UCLA and won. So coming off that loss, they won the game. They are 11 and 3 in the last five seasons off of a loss. He is rarely a home underdog. Only a home underdog one other time in the last five years. And they beat USC at home as the home underdog five seasons ago, actually six seasons ago, 2012 season. They are getting points. Stanford at home. Bryce Love back healthy, running the ball for Stanford. I know they have got a redshirt freshman quarterback who played his first game last week at Washington State. wasn't so good, but I think they coached him up uh, this week. And for Three Dog Thursday purposes, give me Stanford on Friday night and six and a half points with them coming off the loss, with them so rarely being an underdog at home. I just like this spot here. Uh, in a Pac-12 matchup. Hey, give me a quick thought on Washington uh, again here. Do you think they will bow their back, and can they run the table and be 12-1 and here and saying, hey, what about us for the college football playoff? Just real quick. I mean, they can. They still have Washington State, you know, later on the Apple Cup is, is uh, still ahead, and, and it kind of feels like Washington, that after they lost to Arizona State, they just totally fell off the map. That doesn't take away from what they've done, but uh, – you know, I think that they are still going to be in the mix, but the Pac-12, I think, has totally fallen off the map with everything else that's happened for some reason. I mean, USC still only has two losses, and everyone's kind of forgotten about them as well. So you never know, but the problem is that these other teams maybe have stronger resumes, and, and you don't have teams that are you – know, I mean, I will say this, though, TJ, that Arizona's been better this year, so that's an improvement for the conference. Oregon was kind of up and down. Colorado took a step back, so that kind of really hurt them. UCLA is not as good. I think that's what it is, is that you still don't have the strength all the way through the conference. That's why they're not being talked about. All right. So, again, a Friday night showcase game with Washington and Stanford in that matchup. Again, Tim Brando will be with us to talk a little more college football and about the playoff scenarios in the middle segment. And, again, Kevin and I will be back to talk NFL football a little bit. A reminder here that Three Dog Thursday is brought to you in part by our friends at SmackApparel.com. Check them out for the best and in-your-face uh, apparel for your college, your favorite NFL team, in particular the T-shirts that they have across the board. 
uh, the Alabama, they only hate us because they ain't us. Uh, the, the Clemson, the SEC can kiss my ACC, Kevin. Just take your pick on what you love, whether you are a, an SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12 fan, some of these other schools. Check them out in college as well as the NFL. It's smackapparel.com. Use the promo code THURSDAY and you can take 30% off your order for the holidays. Again, the promo code is THURSDAY at smackapparel.com. Check out the shirts. Check out the merchandise. Use the promo code THURSDAY. Save 30%. All right, I've got one more college underdog that I'm going to take. You're going to end up taking two in the NFL. I'm going to take one in the NFL. That means I need one more college underdog. Let's talk Miami Notre Dame. You are in South Florida, sir. Give me a vibe midweek here. Are they getting cranked up already? They should be for number three Notre Dame and now number seven Miami in the college football rankings. What's the vibe, real quick, on on this matchup? No, I have excitement. There really has, and uh, you know, just this game, this late in the season, undefeated, renewing the rivalry with Notre Dame. It's meaningful. Uh, I think that it, it's going to be very ex- – you haven't had this kind of excitement for a Dolphin game in years. You know, so for this, for the Hurricanes to do what they've done, it's just great that there's that vibe there that you haven't seen with the pro team. Well, and for Miami, the huge win for them against Virginia Tech where a lot of people were looking for credibility against a ranked team. They were very impressive, had four more takeaways. Uh, last week. Notre Dame comes in, as I mentioned, third in the college football rankings. They already have a road win at Michigan State, but you know Brian Kelly has been suspect. You mentioned the losing season last year, especially against ranked teams, especially against top 10 teams. Brian Kelly in six games against top 10 teams. Kevin, you want to guess the record? I keep, I keep putting you on the spot. You want to guess Brian Kelly's six-game record against top 10 teams? I'm going to guess Pretty bad. I mean, it's, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Bingo. He's one in five against top 10 teams, which Miami is in this case. Mark Rick, by the way, with the win over Virginia Tech, now three and one against top 25 teams at Miami. He also has a winning record all time against top 25 teams. He's about 10 games over 500 against top 25 teams. I just, I think the, the, the Canes will be jacked. It will be rocking at Hard Rock Stadium like the old days at the Orange Bowl. I'm not saying it is the Orange Bowl. This is a huge Saturday night showdown. I will take the points. I will take Miami to upend Notre Dame and cost them any hope at the college football playoff. Remember, Notre Dame already has the loss to Georgia, and yet the committee still has them at number three. I think Miami ends it on Saturday night. And I think we're talking about uh, the Canes being a serious threat to be in the top four for the college football playoff when it's all said and done in this game. Do you have an opinion one way or the other on that game Saturday night? Tough game to call. I'm staying away from it. Just tough. Completely. Uh, It will be very intriguing to watch. Well, Wimbush, the quarterback, is a dual threat that can run around for Notre Dame. And uh, and Miami better be ready for him. Malik Rozier with some uh, interceptions. Uh, last week against Virginia Tech, even in the win, let's see what happens. But it's it's electric once again for Miami and for Notre Dame. Kevin, stand by. We'll come back to you to talk some NFL later on in the show. Again, Tim Brando of Fox Sports is straight ahead. He will be here to give us some breakdown on games that he's seen, teams that he's seen, as well as some thoughts on the college football playoff and even an underdog selection. Stay with us as we continue on Three Dog Thursday. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanPlayoff.com. Play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free. Coming this January. Find out more by going to FanPlayoff.com. 
Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Oh, I've been looking forward to this ever since he agreed to come on. He still takes my phone call. He still returns my text message. I love me some Tim Brando of Fox Sports. Now, many moons ago, this man and I were part of the New Orleans Saints broadcast. I was kind of his caddy, his chauffeur, his butler, hand him the nine iron, that kind of thing. Here is is the Tim Brando on Three Dog Thursday. Good to be back with you, my friend. Well, actually, what you were doing, you you were caddying for me while I was caddying for Archie. Man. <laughs> That's who was exactly right. For, who was who? I think was caddying for Ron Jaworski. <laughs> at that time. I still so we have, were all caddying for. Oh, yeah. I have a picture of you, me, Jaworski, and Archie Manning doing New Orleans Saints preseason, and I say to everybody that sees that picture, who doesn't belong in this picture? Take a look. Take a look at who doesn't belong in that picture. But uh, those that are fun times. Be, that had to be the most overqualified. Um, uh, uh, group to do ex- uh, exhibition games in the NFL ever. Well, we had to. We, <laughs> we had to had, keep we had it light. We had a hell of a group there. That was a lot of fun. No, uh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about all of that. All right. So, uh, as I mentioned, you are now doing uh, a lot of premier college football for Fox Sports. In fact, Tim is working the USC Colorado game coming on Saturday in Boulder. That is the lead-in to the big matchup with Oklahoma and TCU that we'll talk about in a little bit. But you've not only worked Pac-12, you've worked Big 12, you've also worked Big 10. Fun question to you from the college football perspective, who's the best team you've broadcasted this year that you've seen with your own eyeballs? Who stands out? TCU, actually. And uh, I, I say that with the understanding now that the game that I did with my own eyes was Kansas in prime time about three weeks ago. All right. So uh, understanding that Kansas was the opposition, that was the, by the way, another dubious honor I hold um, and distinction, TJ. I, I, um, I broadcasted the uh, least rated and watched primetime game on over the air television in the history of college football <laughs> in prime time. <laughs> so, Put that one when they put me when they write my epitaph, right? I'll be dubious distinctions there too. You know how many leagues uh, I did the final game for? You know I right. put to bed the USFL. I put to bed you know a lot of lot of leagues, and I I also called the least watched game in over the air network television history. But you tag uh, that with the footnote: Kansas football was involved, and it and it all yeah, is good. Yeah. It's all good. Kansas yeah, football. Kansas yeah. football was involved in that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But but TCU, and I think they'll prove it again, they lost the Iowa State game, who, by the way, has really improved. Matt Campbell's done a m- remarkable job, is going to get a lot of consideration for Coach of the Year, and they may still have a lot of big wins in front of them uh, that could impact the Big 12 in a big way. But they had two turnovers, TCU, inside the Iowa State 10 and the loss that they had. Uh, and, and this is, of course, the team, Iowa State, that went on the road and blew out Oklahoma at Oklahoma. So, you know, I, I think when TCU is right, uh, and, and I believe that they will be this week, that is a very dangerous team that a lot of people disrespect or don't know that much about. What uh, Gary Patterson has done to turn that thing around from, you know, a 6-7 and seven season, season a year ago, uh, I mean, a 5-7, and seven, I beg your pardon. That, that's, he did it a few years ago. You know, they went from 4-8 and eight to on the – fringe of getting in the college football playoff from 2013 to 14. Uh, he, I mean, he just does not stay down long. This guy 
is as good a defensive coach as there is this side of Nick Saban. I mean, I, I think he's in the same conversation with Saban when it comes to defensive wizardry uh, in today's college football. And offensively, they've sort of found their mark with Sonny Cumbie. They're, they're not just chucking it all over the place. They're actually running the ball far more balanced with what they do. They still spread it, and they can still score quickly and play quickly. But uh, they can beat you in a variety of ways. They can play a 21-10 game or a 14-7 game and, and win. I mean, they can do that. So that versatility is the thing I notice. Now, you can find teams with better athletes that look better in warm-ups. You know, Alabama is clearly the tops when it comes to that. Georgia, uh, Michigan even, whom I saw last week, when they get their quarterback thing worked out, they've got elite young talent on that team. Uh, and obviously Ohio State uh, and USC, these are all teams that look great in warm-ups, but when it comes time for execution sure. uh, and, and, and being able to diversify based on the opponent you're playing, I, I think TCU is the team that uh, is is probably a little disrespected because of where they were a season ago and the overall image and impression of the Big 12 being a no-defense league. If you think that, if you really believe that, then you haven't seen TCU. Love this insight again, Tim Brando, having worked that game. Um, and we'll now we'll kind of morph that into the college football playoff rankings that are out. So week two of the rankings are out this week, and we see two SEC teams at the top, followed by Notre Dame and an ACC team. Especially if Notre Dame continues to win, we're looking at a real possibility that two Power Five conferences may get left out of that four-team thing. Long way to go. A lot of football to be played. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? But what do you think, Tim, that uh, you know, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12 in particular may be a little nervous here that one, yeah. one or more might get left out? If it happens, I don't think it will, but if it does, great because it means that the college football playoff committee will have to have a long meeting just as they did after the 2011 BCS debacle. And they'll have to come up with more access and allow at least six teams in or eight teams in and do it quickly. Because can you imagine uh, three power five conference commissioners seeing (laughs) uh, two sec teams get all that money and then Notre Dame scoop up the rest. Can you imagine the, the reaction to that? Uh, they would quick, quickly uh, move to change it if that, in fact, happens. Uh, and the reason is simple. Uh, if you're trying to sell us on protecting the regular season and the college football playoff committee is doing that by saying we're only allowing access to four teams, then let's, let's presume now that Georgia and Alabama do play and the game is close and uh, Georgia wins the game, all right? But it's close. It's a field goal game. Alabama's Alabama, Okay. That they get they get more leeway than any other program in America because they're Alabama. Well, you can't not let let them miss the playoff, so you just drop them to four. Okay, they can drop no further than four, and they get in. And Georgia's one, so we just do this thing all over again in the semifinals. Okay, you talk about pissing off <laughs> the entire college football world because what you're saying in effect is that the SEC championship was meaningless. Right. The game didn't matter. That the two teams that that was exactly the argument that was made when Alabama was allowed in to play LSU a second time after the game of the century in Tuscaloosa was played in November and LSU won six to three. If you were, or was it nine to six? Nine, to six, nine to six. Right. 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 Yeah. 
Yeah, so so what you said then was that that game didn't matter, and because Oklahoma State spit the bit after their women's basketball program had a plane crash and they played in Ames, Iowa on a Thursday night and lost, that you know Mike Gundy's team just didn't belong. Alabama did. We're going to do this over. Well, <laughs> that went over. How how well? You know, suddenly Bill Hancock's quotes about never having a playoff, Ari Fleischer being hired, just set up a <laughs> website, noplayoff.com. Suddenly, suddenly Bill Hancock's uh, business card started reading uh, Emperor College Football Playoff. Really? <laughs> That's not exactly what I was hearing, you know, a week earlier. So we will have change if that happens. I'm not saying it won't happen, right. but I'm saying if it does, we are immediately going to go to six teams uh, or eight teams, one of the two. So, uh, if that's if that's really going to upset you, uh, then then I would say you know take a step back and realize that the greater good will be served if two teams from the same conference get in, and especially if Notre Dame is the other team that gets in, and now you've only got two of the Power Fives represented in the field of four. Oh my God, that's Nirvana. That's to me that's um, that's as ha- I'll be happier than I was when the BCS was put to bed this man uh, because conti- we do need to right yeah, Th- yeah. this <laughs> this man continually on his radio show had the count up on days of the yeah. bcs world in crisis until it finally went or, away yeah. but world yeah i will down, say yeah. i will say this too and full disclosure i'm doing some work for the college football playoff as well and i believe in the four team format just from the standpoint it keeps the regular season so much more interesting as you laid out um, yeah. I, th- I think they'll be resistant to trying to go to more teams, at least early here, because you're eventually going to end up with a two-loss team or a couple of them being in the mix with an unbeaten team, and it does devalue it a little bit. We'll see how, how that well, part goes. I, I, will yeah. just tell you, I will just tell you that if you have an SEC championship rematch, in it, whether it's the semifinals or the finals, you've defeated the purpose. Okay, You've defeated the purpose of saying the regular season matters because – you know, in truth, according to the committee, the college football playoff committee views all the championship games as part of the regular season. Okay, the conferences have it as a postseason game, and they get additional revenues from their network partners. But the college football playoff committee views it, just like the NCAA tournament committee, views co- conference tournament games as part of their regular season resume. So, you know, it's about it's about how you view it and from what prism are you coming yep. from. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just the bottom line, and that's where they run into trouble. They almost had it last year. They almost screwed the pooch. If, if Penn State had beaten USC in the Rose Bowl, if they had held on to that lead, how bad would they have looked after what happened to Ohio State happened? Okay? So they were teetering last year. It will be a full-scale Armageddon <laughs> if something along the lines of what you suggested comes up this year. Well, we'll see. And this Saturday, a lot of it is going to shake out with Notre Dame-Miami, with Georgia at Auburn, as you mentioned, TCU at Oklahoma. So in some ways, it is not a true playoff, but this is kind of an elimination Saturday for sure. The TCU-Oklahoma loser has a second loss. Uh, Auburn could damage Georgia greatly by beating them at home. A second loss by Notre Dame would eliminate them, so... Real intrigue the second Saturday, November, obviously, and you've got that you've got that Oklahoma TCU game on Fox. I know you guys are beaming about that one because it is almost like a playoff elimination game for those two teams. Yeah, I believe it is in Fort Worth, by the way. My, uh, my bad, yes, Fort correct. In, uh, yeah, in Fort I Worth, correct. In Fort Worth. Right, and it's right after the USC-Colorado game that Spencer and Holly and I have. So 
we'll try to serve them up a decent rating. And by the way, uh, those that are going to sleep right now on Washington, and even to some extent USC, when I looked up last night, a couple of nights ago, and saw the uh, Tuesday night show, and, and USC was number 11. <laughs> now listen, the people on this committee, TJ, are it's made up of a lot of old coaches now, and Condoleezza Rice is out, out of that room. And, you know, I see brand names getting even more respect now, okay? USC, in my opinion, at 11, it serves me well. I've got them this week. <laughs> but I would have told you after that blowout loss to Notre Dame, they were done. They had no shot. Well, let's let's say some teams start losing in other conferences. And I think that this, is, this, this could happen, okay? Let's say, by example, Auburn beats uh, Georgia. And then Auburn beats Alabama. Well, that's a pretty good two-loss team, isn't it? I mean, who's going to argue with Auburn and their strength of schedule down the stretch? Let's say Auburn beats Georgia, beats uh, Alabama, then then wins the SEC title. How, how about that? A return engagement with Georgia. How impressed would you be with that? Sure. So I think that I think, and, and if you look at the uh, the ACC, uh, I'm not convinced that Miami isn't capable of losing twice. Between now and the end of the year, I'm not, you know, like could Clemson lose another game? All these teams have warts, all of them. Uh, the, the, the names sound dominant. The names have great brands, but I don't know how truly good they are. And even with Washington's pitiful non-conference schedule, uh, they have a chance to soar in the, in the college football playoff standings if they beat Stanford this week. By the way, they would have been much better off had Stanford beaten Wazoo last week. That didn't happen. Uh, that's the only problem Pac-12 has is that none of these teams, even USC, can't play any teams that are going to propel them any further. But that doesn't mean that other teams in front of them won't fall. I mean, they may. Uh, and if that happens, now you've got a whole you know, a, a different argument. I, I, I really do believe the Big 12 is going to have a two-loss uh, champion uh, because even if TCU beats Oklahoma this week, they may have to beat them again. <laughs> you know, at, at Jerry World on December the 2nd. So uh, there, this thing could be really, really screwed up. And, of course, I love that. And, and I think most of college football fans uh, that don't have a dog in the hunt, they love it too. It's one of the reasons why the game has become so popular is uh, uh, fans just love watching the carnage in late November. It's like, a, it's like a college football version of the U.S. Open at Shinnecock. You know, they're just watching the carnage <laughs> in, in the early round or, in the last month. Of, or uh, or, or other na- analogies like uh, the big wrecks at Talladega or Daytona. You know the big wreck is coming if you follow NASCAR. Oh, yeah. You just you just wait yeah. for those things uh, to happen. All right, it right. is Three Dog Thursday. He is Tim Brando of Fox Sports. Love Timmy B. Longtime work with CBS and ESPN as well. Love his insight, especially when it comes to college football. So if I put the buffet in front of you where Miami is a home underdog with Notre Dame, yeah, in the Oklahoma uh, TCU case, it is in Norman, Timmy B. TCU at Norman. Oh, oh is it in Norman? It is in oh, Norman. It's okay. TCU getting six and a half in that one. Uh, the intriguing Auburn-Georgia game. How about Auburn began initially Sunday night as a two-point favorite, and, and by like an hour after the line was out, they were already a one or a one-and-a-half point under. So Georgia is actually favored at Auburn. So if I put the buffet in front of you and said, give me a college underdog, who stands out? Who stands out from this week? Oh, my God. Well, I, I can't believe that you had me on with the understanding that I had the wrong 
location for the TCU game. Um, I, hey, listen, well, I often, I, listen, so listen, I often operate in darkness and out of touch with reality yeah, myself, well, so it's all good. So into my, I've, been, I've been so into my UFC depth chart, I just uh, obviously didn't, uh, I had an art card moment, I apologize. Um, well, I, I certainly like TCU uh, to cover the six and a half. I think it's going to be a very similar game to what they had uh, with Oklahoma State. Uh, I don't, I don't, in terms of score, I don't think either team will have to get to 60 to win. I think probably 40 will do it uh, in this game because you can't (laughs) stop the Mayfield all day. Let me stop you. Isn't that amazing to say? I mean, there used to be a day when teams would play defense, and what you just said seems farcical, but it's the truth. They can hold them to 40 and win. It's the truth. And I don't think it's, I, I don't think that you're necessarily seeing bad defense when a team scores 38 points anymore. Not with the kind of offenses that we see around the country, and especially the way the rules of the game are put together at the college level to allow for the offenses to flourish. And when you're having to play 18, 19 possessions as a defense versus, say, like I was at Michigan last week uh, preparing for the Wolverines in Minnesota, and you know their defense is really good. They get off the field on third down. Uh, against Rutgers the week before, they only had 47 snaps, that defense, okay? 47, 50, 55, 60 snaps. Well, if you're playing in the Big 12, you're looking almost always at a minimum of 85 snaps, sometimes 95 to 100 or more than 100 snaps. Mm. Well, if you're having to play that much defense, you're going to relinquish points. I mean, that's just part of it. So I, I think the speed and the tempo and pace of play has as much to do with the score soaring. And you can't look at... You know, these guys that are pundits that um, that don't really go to the games, that are just in their uh, attics or in their uh, basements and they're writing crap about different teams, they have no clue that giving up 500 yards of total offense is not a bad day anymore in some leagues, okay? When you're playing against uh, quarterbacks as efficient as Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield, those guys are incredible. So... I wasn't shocked that it took that many points to win last week. I will be in this game because I do think that TCU has the ability to, A, uh, get first downs on the ground. Uh, B, um, uh, they, they keep everyone in front of them. They, they won't give up as many plays, as many long plays to Baker Mayfield. Uh, and I think that uh, if, if Oklahoma does win the game, and they could, I don't think they're going to have to score 60. I think it'll be more like 40. You know, that should be their uh, their goal, in my opinion. First one to 40 wins. Um, TCU can score as well, but I think their defense is capable. That's the other factor of turning you over. And if and if one team uh, has their defense score twice or, or turn the ball over inside the red zone to their offense, then that's going to be worth a touchdown too. So uh, even with the game in Norman, I like the TCU plus six and a half look. I do. Uh, now, I, I would also tell you that I'm equally uh, excited about Miami's chances as a home dog. Mm-hmm. I think that's a highly anticipated game. And, and, and uh, Notre Dame has been great all year, but they're a little banged up now. And because they're banged up and Miami is so, so excited to prove that they are legit. There you go. Uh, that last week against Virginia Tech, even with that win against Virginia Tech, it, it wasn't enough. They still have the same questions to answer to a lot of the uh, um, the uh, highbrows of, of college football that they believe are looking down on them. 
Uh, I think you could equally go with Miami as a great dog to pick. But I'm going to go with TCU because, as I said, that's the team that I've seen that's that's really impressed me the most this year. Love this man, Tim Brando. Again, he's on the call, USC and Colorado from Boulder on Fox prior to that showdown in primetime on Fox that has TCU and Oklahoma, Miami, Notre Dame, also in primetime. As we mentioned, Auburn, Georgia. Uh, There are fascinating games that are going to unfold in November as it all uh, unfolds. Listen, you are a treat to talk college football with. It's a pleasure to cap- catch up with you. Congratulations on being a grandpa times two. Got a grandson, got a granddaughter. Yeah. And you get to teach them about uh, how they once had this thing called the BCS and they, and they don't anymore. <laughs> Later on in life, you'll get to tell them all about how you helped kill that. Uh, and we talk playoffs now with college football. But listen, a treat, yeah. a treat to have you on Three Dog Thursday, Tim Brando. Thank you. And, and by the way, I just double checked. My flight is to Colorado. The game is in Boulder. So at least I know where the hell my game is. Well, okay? the important the but, important uh, thing is get you there to call that game, and then let others take care of Oklahoma TCU. Yeah. But I love that. I love that uh, about you. Listen, have a See, great now call. You know why I'm no longer in the studio. I can't remember where the hell games are. But anymore. you, that you, was one of the requirements of being a studio host is you have to remember where all the games are. I don't well, have to do that anymore. You, you and I have an off-card moment as a result. You and Spencer <laughs> will find Boulder and uh, and Folsom Field and be able to go get it done at that one. Listen, thank you for being with me on Three Dog Thursday, Tim Brando. Happy to do it, TJ. Best to you and everybody in the, in the Tampa St. Pete area, okay? Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanPlayoff.com. Play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free coming this January. Find out more by going to fanplayoff.com. Who are this week's top dogs in pro and college football? We are back on Three Dog Thursday. We do come back in the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs, wherever you found us, whether that's radioinfluence.com, whether that is on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Subscribe to this show, by the way, particularly if you're on iTunes. Rank the show. Tell other people about the show through social promotion, through those different platforms, and uh, and pop it up. Kevin, I say this again to the audience. We have found this out since the show uh, from last week that we had our best month ever in three years of doing this. We have increased the audience by over 50% this season alone. By the tens of thousands, they are listening to us on Three Dog Thursday. So I know you join me in saying thank you to the fans and spread the word about Three Dog Thursday, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's great to see, and the numbers can only uh, go up from here. Yeah, no doubt about that, and our our thanks as well to uh, our friends at VegasInsider.com for helping promote the show as they do through their site, their social media. So again, find us, subscribe to us, tell everybody about Three Dog Thursday, and we got to do our part. We got to do better on the pro underdogs last week. We both suffered last week with the pro underdogs. We've had some weeks that have been good weeks, though, with the NFL underdogs. Where do you want to begin for this latest weekend, the second weekend in November in the NFL, Kevin Rogers? Well, I'll start off in Jacksonville with the Jags and the Chargers, and the Chargers are coming off of a bye week. And interestingly enough, this is now their third time in the East Coast. They won at the Giants. They lost to New England before the bye week. Now they're going back out East. 
to face a Jacksonville team that obviously is exceeding expectations this year, beat Cincinnati last week. And uh, they're a team that has a very good chance of winning the AFC South this year and going back to the playoffs for the first time in a little while. But I look at the Chargers, and you know, this is a team that I feel like when they play at home that they are just not good except for that one shutout of Denver. They've been you know subpar at home. But on the road, they've been very competitive. They lost by three to Denver in the opener. They hung around with the Patriots uh, before the bye week. They won at the Giants. I guess the Giants aren't very good. They won at the Raiders at the end. And you know what? It's still a very good quarterback in Phillip Rivers. He still keeps them in games. And that's what you know about the Chargers is they're not going to really get blown out. They're a team that's going to hang around. You know, they're 3-1 and one their last four, both straight up in ATS. And Jacksonville coming off this emotional win over the Bengals with the Jalen Ramsey fight with A.J. Green. And, <laughs> you know, for, for Jacksonville, too, here's the other thing. That I know I'm being a little picky here, but this is the first time they've won two straight all year was coming off this win. But they had the buy in between. So let's see them do it in successive weeks. That's what I'm curious to see if Jacksonville can carry it over from one Sunday to the next, if they can win. And they've just been a little bit inconsistent. That's the one question I have about them. Well, let's say this for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What a remarkable turnaround from what has been an awful about eight- or nine-year stretch. They looked bad in the preseason. Here we go again with what preseason football is worth. They are now 5-3 and three with five decisive wins. So give them a lot of credit. And I, I, just, I want to get on a, another little tangent here with you and talk about coaching. Look at the job that Sean McVay is doing with the L.A. Rams. And I know they're the favorite at home at the Coliseum with the Texans, and I'm staying away from the Texans on Three Dog Thursday. The the, the Rams are a totally different team. They go to New York, Kevin, last week, and they destroy the Giants. Inside of three quarters, the game is over. Jared Goff looks like a totally different quarterback. How about this stat? The Rams are bidding to become the first team ever, 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 ever in the NFL to go from lowest scoring average, dead last, one season to the highest scoring team the next season. They are leading the NFL right now in scoring and points per game. It's an incredible turnaround. And that example, the Jacksonville example, how about Philadelphia with Doug Peterson as a first time head coach in his second year with Carson Wentz as a second year quarterback? They're nine and one. Coaching matters, doesn't it, Kevin? I mean, it obviously does. Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, you wonder Jeff Fisher, you know, who went to a Super Bowl with Tennessee and he's got the same talent and they can't do anything. And McVay goes in there and all of a sudden this offense does what it does. You know, it's an indictment on, on Jeff Fisher. Somebody also put out something on Twitter, which was interesting, that you have the possibility of having four division winners in the NFC, all teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. When you look at the oh. Eagles right now, the leaders of the divisions, right? Eagles, Saints, Vikings, and, and Rams and Rams and at the Rams. moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about topsy-turvy NFL, which is, again, what they want. They want your team to be able from one year to the next to bounce back. But that's the same personnel in Los Angeles. That's a Jared Goff that everybody was laughing at as the number 1 overall pick. Kevin, there's nobody laughing anymore. I mean, he looks like a a real, live, viable uh, outstanding quarterback for now, small sample size at the beginning of year two, but uh, he he has been clobbering teams in that past happy offense that they have, playing with confidence. Let's just see if the Rams can hold up as the year goes on, but what a fascinating story they are. All right, uh, I believe, are we going to join hand-in-hand on your second underdog? Tell me, tell me what you like for your second underdog, because I think we might be ending up agreeing here on another NFL underdog. Go ahead. 
Well, I know you saw them last week, the New Orleans Saints, and they keep rolling. They've been fantastic since an 0-2 start. They had to Buffalo to face the Bills, and uh, Buffalo come, they came up with a bad, uh, with a very bad effort against the New York Jets on Thursday Night Football. They were a road favorite. Now they're coming home as an underdog, and the Bills are 4-0 at home this season. They've been just been playing very well uh, at home, and you saw the Bills firsthand as well uh, up in Buffalo. Yep. And this Saints team, who you know Drew Brees, we talk about new coaches, and you see Sean Payton trying to. You know, bring the Saints team back to life after a, a bunch of nine, uh, seven and nine seasons. They're doing a great job, and I don't know. You know, Adrian Peterson they had he he wasn't working out. They deal him. It's worked out for him in Arizona. But uh, Breeze has put up good numbers. The defense has played well. Also, which is something which is majorly different from what we saw early in the season with them. But this Buffalo team, I don't know if they're just building some kind of home field advantage now up in uh, Buffalo, but I think they are definitely worth a look here going from a Thursday night road favorite to now having a few extra days of rest in a home underdog. I think everything about this game screams Buffalo. It surprises me. and we, I say this from time to time, and look, I am no expert. You guys at Vegas Insider uh, study these lines and know about the lines and how they move and why they move. I, I can't understand why New Orleans would be favored in this game. I do know they've won, uh, what is it now, six games in a row to get to 6-2 and two after an 0-2 start. Uh, by the way, another great nugget. You love my NFL nuggets whenever I can throw them out. There have only been two I other, do. there have only been two other previous teams that have started the year 0-2 and then won six consecutive games, uh, to, uh, to go on, uh, in a season. Those two teams are the 07 Giants and the 0 one New England Patriots. They both were 0-2. They won six straight games. They won the Super Bowl. So, so just file that away for the New Orleans Saints with an 0 2 start and six straight wins now on top of it. But here's where I, I think it catches up to them this week. Bad weather in Buffalo, by the way. You didn't make mention of this. It looks like in the forecast in the 40s, uh, with some rain and wind probable, uh, in this game, out of the domed environment. This is just a spot where the Bills, who uncharacteristically turned the ball over multiple times, I think they had three or four turnovers against the Jets. They only had two turnovers. Two offensive turnovers the whole season had three, I think, against the Jets in that game a week ago on Thursday night. I just think Buffalo catches New Orleans at the right time here. I did see the Bills in that environment back about three weeks ago now uh, when they beat my Buccaneers. They beat the Raiders since then at home. I'll take Buffalo. I will take the Bills to uh, to beat the New Orleans Saints straight up here as the underdog, getting the points in that matchup. Uh, again, give give New Orleans credit. Alvin Kamara is outstanding catching the ball out of the backfield uh, as he was last week. Uh, but they're not anything special on defense. I just like Buffalo. You and I agree here on Three Dog Thursday uh, for that matchup. Not a lot of great NFL games for this weekend. There's a couple of them that you just kind of point at and go, okay, maybe that one might be uh, pretty good. You already touched on Jacksonville looking for a sixth win already in the matchup there with the Chargers. Dallas playing at, at, uh, at Atlanta. Atlanta, though, floundering right now. Cowboys looking good. I know you've joked all week that the Ezekiel Elliott case, the court case, it's got more to it than like a whole season of episodes of Law and Order right now, the Ezekiel Elliott case. Are we just facing the reality that this is going to go on for the rest of our lives, his, his uh, appeal of the suspension? Is that what we have to accept? 
it really feels that way that, you know, he's suspended. Oh, no, the judge lifted it. So he's going to play. And it feels like over and over and over again. And just you might as well wait until the offseason if you're going to figure this whole thing out instead of going every single week or every two weeks and saying, all right, the judge has something new, but now another injunction. And you know what? Let me take this one second to uh, to trash Jerry Jones. If you, don't mind. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like you see him talking about he's all excited every time he scores a touchdown. And it's like we don't know exactly all the details of what happened with him but you know jerry jones is he is literally the win at all cost owner he does not care what you do just score touchdowns score touchdowns and it's fine and him never winning a, or actually i shouldn't say never because he won with jimmy johnson but him not winning a super bowl in the last like 20 years is a great thing He's going. He's gone into the Hall of Fame already. He's going to be going into the Hall of Fame. It has gone into the Hall okay, of Fame. That's fine. Been, got the I Hall mean, of he's Fame. Done great uh, things with the Cowboys, but it's it well. was years ago though, too. Well, and and yeah. look, uh, they they took on Greg Hardy. Remember a few years ago, they've yeah. had Terrell Owens in the controversy. They've had other players with problems that they have brought in. Um, we'll we'll see here on the Cowboys in that whole situation. They certainly have cranked it up a couple of levels with Ezekiel Elliott there in the backfield. I mean, they took it to Kansas City, went went one on the road at Washington, so Cowboys looking good at the moment. That's the matchup with Atlanta. New England and Denver, it looked like when the season began, that might be a good game, and Denver has completely fizzled out on offense, and the Patriots uh, now get ready to go off a bye week and try to stick it to uh, to Denver, a team that has been a thorn in their side for the last few years. So, again, there's some uh, there's some NFL. As I mentioned, our, our friends at Vegas Insider do a great job. Kevin and his colleagues with all their information, their facts and figures. Kevin, tell them more about what you do with the site. Yeah, we got uh, a lot going on right now. Baseball's in the rearview mirror, but college basketball beginning this weekend. So that's something to obviously keep an eye on early NBA, NHL are, are fast and furious going. And also college football, we have a few weeks left before we know who's going to play in which bowl and the conference championships. And of course, NFL, now we're hitting the second half of the season. So you can catch up on all the information all the time at VegasInsider.com or on our Twitter page, which now there's 280 characters, so just more rambling at Twitby. <laughs> to cover it. And Kevin Rogers is a great follow on tr- on Twitter as well. Follow him at VI Rogers. You can follow this show as well at 3Dog Thursday. I'm, I'm doing a lot of different housekeeping and publicity here. A reminder again, our friends at Smack Apparel are proud sponsors of the show. Use the promo code THURSDAY with Smack Apparel and save 30% off your order. Uh, Kevin loves all those anti-Florida Gators uh, things that, are, that they have uh, being a Florida State guy like he is. Uh, pick your favorite school and there's likely an in-your-face shirt to rag on your opponent, college and pro, particularly in football. They got they got some other good stuff, some baseball, some NBA, whatever, but primarily football, especially anti against your opponents. It's smackapparel.com. Use the promo code Thursday. Save 30% off of any order, including for the holidays. Get some of those shirts. Get some of the uh, the different things that they have at smackapparel.com. My thanks also to Tim Brando. He likes TCU as the underdog against Oklahoma in that Big 12 showdown. Again, Kevin going with the Purdue Boilermakers, the L.A. Chargers, and the Buffalo Bills as his underdogs. I'll take Stanford in the Friday night game. As we always like to say, Kevin, if fans are listening later in the weekend, you already know if I'm really smart or really stupid to have taken Stanford in the Friday night game with Washington. I like Miami in the Saturday night showdown with Notre Dame at home as a small home underdog, and I will take the Buffalo Bills with Kevin in the NFL. Did you have fun for another for another Three Dog Thursday in November, Kevin Rogers? 
Absolutely. I always do with you, my friend. <sighs> this is good stuff. Have a great week and great weekend. Enjoy the games, Kevin. Same to you, folks. Enjoy the weekend. Come back with us next week for another edition of the only digital radio show devoted to underdogs exclusively in college football and the NFL. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 